afternoon, everybody. Hope everyone's well on this Thursday afternoon. The sun is shining. Norwich City's kit has been released. Uh, they're back in pre-season action again on Saturday, obviously, after the, the win at Durham the other night. Uh, the transfer news up until now has been pretty quiet. Uh, not really been much to report, but slowly and uh, it's starting to crank up and we're starting to see a few more rumours flying around. Adam Harvey joined by Connor Southwell and Sam Seaman to discuss all the latest news that's mainly been breaking in kind of the last 48 hours or just over the weekend. Um, so I'll, I'll come to you first, Connor. Um, obviously, you were sort of part of the the media that was sort of investigating this report that it dropped last night uh, surrounding a 23-year-old attacking midfielder, uh, Gabriel Sara um, from Sao Paulo. Obviously, Dean Smith spoke to us. You were part of their circle the other night where Dean Smith was saying he wants a creative midfielder. We've known that for quite a while. Just to bring us up to date with, with what you've known. Obviously, you've done a little bit of digging on the story and, and whereabouts we are with that one at the moment. Yeah, definitely a player Norwich City are interested in. Definitely a player that they are trying to bring to Carrow Road this summer. Um, they are in talks, uh, from what we can gather, with Sao Paulo, his, his club, to bring the 23-year-old uh, across and to make him their second summer signing after Isaac Hayden, of course, who arrived last month. Um, from what we can gather at the moment, no agreement has been fully struck yet uh, with either player or uh, club, although I understand from the player's side, he's, he's extremely keen to join Norwich City and to play in England. Obviously, the allure of the Premier League for any player abroad is absolutely massive. Norwich, of course, aren't there, but have a pretty strong track record of, uh, of being there in recent years, but also being able to get out of the Championship. So um, that is kind of, as I understand it, talks very much ongoing. There is a confidence probably on the player's side and on the club side as well that a deal uh, will be reached. Uh, I have been given uh, a timetable, although I, I take those with a little bit of a pinch of salt whenever they're, they're kind of given to me. Um, so I won't I won't make that public knowledge because I, I could end up potentially looking very silly if I repeat it. But um, I think it's fair to say there's a confidence around him. I mean, in terms of kind of what we've, what we, and I'm sure we'll speak about him specifically in a moment as a player, but from what we can gather, even though he's he's maybe been touted as a bit of a creative midfielder, I think he's probably one that would, would slot into kind of a central midfield mix. There's been a lot of talk about maybe Norwich going into the market for a dynamic midfielder, um, someone who can probably pose a bit of a goal-scoring threat as well. Um, I, I feel he probably ticks that box from the research that I'm doing. So, um, yeah, Gabriel Sartre, Definitely a goer. Uh, I won't use the the phrase that my colleague Paddy Davitt does um, <laughs> quite yet because we're not quite there yet. But definitely one that Norwich City are interested in signing this summer. Sam, obviously we know that Norwich are in the Brazilian market. Um, we obviously have seen the recent partnership with Cortiba, so we're aware that Norwich are looking and kind of scouting in that area. So has this um, link come as any surprise to you that maybe Norwich have looked there for this creative flair, maybe as an attacking midfielder for, for their championship push next season? Yeah, not really. Although we have sort of been made to wait for these these sorts of links for a little while, they obviously started to expand their um, their reach into South America around the time when the sort of Brexit rulings came in, and they realised this was probably going to be a more fertile market for those sort of uh, cheaper finds than than maybe Europe, where obviously players that aren't in sort of to, sort of top divisions will, will struggle to qualify. So we know they've been looking there for a while, and it has taken a, a good amount of time for any sort of uh, significant and reputable links to to come out of there but now that they have I'm, I'm not surprised at all I'm not surprised with the the profile of player um, as Connor outlined there obviously he's a sort of attacker a, a creative player but also one that probably is physical enough to slot into a an advanced number eight role I think we saw Dean Smith sort of try and and implement that sort of system at Deerham where he had sort of one holder and then two 
at more attacking number eights. He's done that at Aston Villa and I wouldn't be surprised to see him do that in the Championship again where Norwich are expected to have a lot of the ball and dominate most games. So, um, yeah, it looks like Sarah would, would fit into this that sort of system. So, no, I'm, I'm not surprised. Uh, I can't imagine this is one of the ones which Dean Smith has had a, a significant hand in in finding him. Obviously, with Isaac Hayden, we, we're led to believe that he was at the forefront of the the sort of people pushing to, to make that deal happen. Um, but obviously in this case, I'd imagine it's more of a Stuart Webber masterclass in terms of um, picking him out from uh, sort of a, a foreign league and a, a slightly more abstract league, albeit Sao Paulo are a, a big club and it's not sort of, it's not quite Emi Buendia from um, Getafe uh, levels, given that he was on loan in I think the, the, the Spanish second, second division at the time when, when they started watching him. So it's sort of a, in the middle, but it also shows you what work they've been doing in that market over the last couple of years and uh, finally it looks like it's, it's coming to fruition and Norwich fans will hope that it, it comes to fruition in the form of a, a signing. Obviously, the first instinct that fans go to is, is YouTube and look at the highlight reels of these players. Um, is that something you've done, Connor? And do you know sort of anything maybe behind sort of the stats of, of Sarah and, and what he could potentially bring to this Norwich City team in terms of creativity? Obviously, we know... Puki has missed Wendia. Is this the kind of player that could maybe slot into that position and, and sort of produce the output that Wendia produced in the championship? Well, it's, it's something that I'm I'm looking into at the moment. I'm I'm kind of writing a, a piece as we speak about maybe what he could bring to Norwich City and uh, and what kind of position he would slot into. I think as as Sam has outlined there, I think I could I could see him maybe playing as uh, as that number eight alongside Kenny McLean with probably Isaac Hayden behind those two. We, we, we've we kind of seen at Aston Villa that that is the style that Dean Smith prefers to play. We've seen it at Brentford as well um, as he looks to to make his stamp on the team um, in, increasingly, of course, through new additions and through um, tactical tweaks and, and through playing style, which isn't something that we've really seen much of in, in the first opening sort of period of his uh, of his reign. And there's lots of reasons that we've been into in excruciating depth about why that why that has been the case in terms of Sara, I think he's he from what I've seen and and I know I've I haven't actually watched the YouTube supercuts which maybe I'll get around to this afternoon but I have seen a few people said not been too impressed by them so maybe maybe I'll put it off but I've been doing um uh, I've watched a few clips of him um via uh, y Scout, which is a platform we we have access to and uh, and looked at a few statistics and I think you can certainly see that he is someone who um certainly looking at, at kind of his numbers and his reports is someone who who likes to counter press and it is interesting um that Dean Smith spoke about that particular element of the game on Friday as being something that he was really pleased with and uh, and looking to improve so again all of this kind of fits into what we're hearing about Norris the profile of player that Norris City want a dynamic midfield um that can maybe press in a bit more of an intelligent way but also I think there's a, a willingness to bring a bit more of a goal scoring edge to that midfield and it does feel like um, Sarah could do that um, albeit I know people have been looking again at his statistics in the last year which have to be taken with a pinch of salt given I think he's missed a, a big portion of it with injury and and he's injured at the moment um, an August return is kind of what I'm hearing um, around him I think he's had some some surgery on his ankle so there's that element as well the fact that he would arrive and there would probably need to be a period of um, fitness building as well as acclimatisation um, because I think the critics of uh, of people who in English football who have maybe advised against not specifically Norwich City but generally um, recruitment from Brazil is that that period of acclimatisation can be quite difficult um, albeit we, we often hear about these South Americans with a lot of flair and, uh, and a lot of um, kind of uh, wild temperaments I don't necessarily think that that Sara fits into the the latter of that category but but there's there's clearly something there that, that Norwich City like. From what I've seen, there's some 
decent off the ball movement from him as well. Um, I think there's some um, from again based on on what I've been reading from kind of eyewitness accounts from South Paulo fans. Really, there's there's maybe a rawness technically, but it, it does feel like there's someone coachable and someone there who, who could be molded into into a decent player so um i think everything increasingly that you read and the statistics that you look at and the the more video that i've watched very very limited so far and i plan to watch them all this afternoon it does feel like a player who maybe fits the profile that, that, uh, of a position that we've been talking about probably since about march when we when we began to, to sort of turn our focus to to the premier league and uh, uh to the championship sorry and and it is interesting I think what what we've spoken about about Brazil because it is a market that Norwich have been looking at increasingly. They they employ scouts over there. They've been stepping up their efforts. We've had various scouts um, within their recruitment department go over there at various stages to do um, a little bit of scouting. And the South American region and North American region actually is is an area that they've been looking at as somewhere in the potential uh, with the potential to to sign players from. And the the Brexit rules have closed off a lot of markets, and, and it means Norwich can't sign players from the Bundesliga too as a general rule now. But one kind of bonus of it is that South America becomes a much more viable route to sign players, whereas before it was the likes of Emi Buendia having to move to Spain or a country on the continent before they could then step into England. That's now not the case. And Norwich City are hopeful, given we know their model, what they like to do with players, which is sign players young, develop them, turn them into assets and sell them on. They can now sign of miss out that link that Emi Buendia took of stepping into the continent at a relatively early age. So um, when you sort of combine all of that up, and I'm also led to believe that Brazil is a market they've been exploring for potential loans, um, then this signing, I think, makes a lot of sense for kind of the profile of player that they've been looking at, albeit with kind of the risks and whatnot of signing a player from a different continent and, and maybe everything that comes with that. Well, so we know the risks, yeah, attached to, to signing someone from a from a different region, but uh, there's also kind of I'll come up to Kevin's point here. There's sort of been a little bit of a, a rumor that he's injured at the moment. Um, how do you sort of see that, Sam? Obviously, coming into this Norwich City squad, we know that Dean Smith will want to try and get them sort of involved in the pre-season. Obviously, if he's injured, then that's not going to be possible to to get his messaging across to the players ahead of this championship season. So what impact will that have if he comes across and, and signs, but he's injured? Yeah, it's especially worrying given the sort of injury problems they had last season. Um, thinking specifically about Matthias Norman and obviously they knew about potential problems that he had and they thought he was going to be able to play play through last season uh ends up taking a big chunk out of his season and then when he returned he wasn't the same player so it is slightly worrying um it, it has a ring to it of a couple of those signings last summer where there were maybe slight warning signs but the profile of the player and the name of the player and reports from his his club at the moment um have maybe swept people up a little bit so you'd hope that they've done the due diligence on that and obviously sports science is has evolved to a point where I'm sure they'll be able to know if it's an injury that's likely to repeat itself um, or or hamper him for long periods of time, even after he's returned. Um, and you'd hope that they've maybe paid slightly more um, attention to that that sort of situation this summer than they may have done last summer. Obviously, they left quite a lot of their business um, till quite late last summer, and that made meant they were forced into maybe compromising on a couple of their targets um so yeah i think the, the fact that we're in july um the fact that they've got less money to play with probably means they're less likely to take that risk and although i understand it's worrying for fans and probably it doesn't help as you outlined with the sort of gelling situation i saw um another comment somebody mentioned the fact that he'd be 
the only Portuguese speaking player, um, and that maybe would have an impact. I'd, I'd also um, I'd, I'd raise the point that English is becoming more and more a, a universal language, and quite a lot of people will speak it, and that that will probably help him. But yeah, in terms of the injury, maybe does help with the, does doesn't help with the bedding in process. But yeah, you you hope that they've done their research adequately, and that that won't be a problem. Obviously, we all keep delving into the comments, and I'll go to one here from Carl. Staying on incomings, Connor. Obviously, there was a, a link at the weekend as well, which I think Paddy wrote up on the Pinken uh, regarding a Icelandic midfielder. Uh, I believe he's twenty, if I'm correct in saying. He scored four goals in ten appearances in the Icelandic top flight last season. That man is well. Sorry for the pronunciation, Crystal Manny Ingerson. Um, what do you make of that one? Is there anything in it, Connor, um, or anything that you know fans can get excited about in terms of is he coming to to Colney? Thought your pronunciation was pretty good there, Adam. I must say, um, look, I, I think this is this is an interesting one because we we've just spoken about the the Brexit rules, and from my calculations, he isn't someone that would would um, naturally amass enough points to be uh, able to sign for Norwich City and to gain a work permit, albeit that he is now featured in a European competition. So that may have changed slightly since I calculated it last week. Um, I think he's also been linked with with Bodo Glimt. I, I was speaking to someone uh, involved in in Icelandic football over the weekend. They they did they felt it was probably an agent led link, although that that is their opinion rather than anything concrete on that. Um, and that they they said to me that actually what you see with a lot of Nordic players is that they tend to move to Norway um, or Finland uh, if they're kind of extremely talented at that age and, and what you tend to find is that the very very good ones um, tend to move to, to Germany or Italy at 16 and, uh, and gave a couple of clubs I think Bologna and, uh, and Venezia as a couple of clubs who, who tend to look at into into those markets specifically for young talent um, and, and Norwich have looked at that market before they have had players in their academy from Iceland before um, so it is a market that is familiar to them albeit under kind of a former regime it was more uh, academy recruitment boss Greg Broughton who obviously is now at Blackburn um, who explored that sort of market a lot more and I think we we had a piece with him a, a little while ago and I, I've got a memory of a column in my head as well that maybe Chris Lakey wrote about Iceland and and that being a potential market for Norwich City so um, all in all I think when when you add it up like that and actually he got sent off the other night didn't he in, in the Champions League a, a couple of yellow cards um, I, I personally would be surprised I, I'm not dismissing it completely because the honest truth is I, I, I don't know um, if, if there's anything in it either way but um, from what I'm hearing from from people who know about Icelandic football um, they don't seem particularly convinced about the link and so that would probably make me inclined to to be a bit doubtful about it as well um, the age he's at the level of football he's playing at the level of coaching he would need at this stage. And look, there's a possibility that you get footballers who are late bloomers and, and players who don't develop properly until they're kind of in their mid to late 20s. And that's a possibility here. But it does feel like maybe this would be a different conversation if he was 16, 17, albeit maybe the Brexit regulations um, would be uh, would be slightly difficult again. But then there's a the possibility of obviously loaning players out. Um, so maybe someone who, who, would, who you could look at potentially in, in the Danel Sonani mould as someone who they could get for, for relatively low money and then flip and, uh, and make some money out of and value. And I, I wrote a piece, and I know we're going to speak about him later, about Josh Martin earlier in the week and how actually for all the talk about Norwich City developing talents where they're in a position to go and sell them for £20 million, um, it's actually important that they flip the ones they sign for free and, and could get maybe a million quid or half a million quid or 250 grand for them because actually that creates 
important revenue in this self-sustainable model that they have. So um, I, I wouldn't completely be in a position to dismiss it, but I must say I'm, I'm extremely doubtful about it as well, to be completely honest. It feels to me like someone whose stock is relatively high and is probably trying to get it a little bit higher, um, particularly given that we've we've got a summer window uh, ahead of us. But there's, there's no reason at the moment to suggest that this one, as per the one we were just talking about, is, uh, is a goer. A few people in the comments, Sam, obviously there was a rumour as well, came through. It's football world, maybe Josh Tymon linked to, to Norwich yesterday. A fullback, obviously you've been put a story up about Bally Mumba, um, potentially moving out on loan as well to Plymouth. So is there anything particularly in that rumour or do you think Norwich are really in the market for a fullback at the moment? Yeah, me and Connor sort of uh, went through that yesterday and, and discussed the various factors and it does seem quite unlikely I think the figure mentioned in that report which I think was Football Insider um, I think it was six million pounds and you look that they've got Dimi Yanoudis, uh, Sam McCallum when we spoke to him um, seemed fairly positive about his his chances of breaking into the, the Norwich 11 at times next season and he looks for all intents and purposes like somebody they, they might be keen to keep around um, and they're just not going to spend six million pounds on a a second choice or even third choice left back, um, especially if they're competing with the likes of uh, Leeds, who are, who are also included in that. I mean, no matter how much they want a player, if they're competing with a Premier League club, then they're not going to get him this season. Um, this this window, really, unless there's some sort of strange connection with Norwich going on. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably one to strike off. Although similarly to to like Connor said with the uh, Icelandic link, it's not one I can entirely factually strike off but I'm extremely skeptical and uh, seems pretty unlikely to me um Ballymumba looks more like a, a legitimate thing to me um reported by a, a number of reputable sources and uh looks like one that, that would make sense um I personally rate Ballymumba quite highly and, and was disappointed to see that but seeing that the fact that they've sanctioned those loans in the last uh the, the, the loan to Peterborough obviously last season and uh, Peterborough sort of sent him back uh, to Norwich slightly prematurely. So it doesn't look great uh, for him at the moment. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him going out on loan to, to League One. Obviously, Plymouth Argyle, the, the club linked. Um, and that, that does sort of make sense. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where his future at Carrow Road goes. If that is the case, doesn't really look great, given that it would be a sort of regression from a championship loan uh, last season. Um so yeah, that 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 would be interesting to see, but sounds to me like one that that is pretty likely, especially considering Norwich, uh, from the looks of things, have, have spent the last few days and may continue to do so, um, sort of trimming the fat around the edges of the squad and, and getting rid of some of those fringe players that they don't see playing a particularly significant part. Um, as I think you you referenced earlier when we spoke to Dean Smith on uh, last Friday, he he was keen to to iterate that. They're gonna they're gonna need to look at those players and they're gonna need to decide who to move on. Uh, it seems to me that they've started to do that, and it looks like Ballymumba could well be one of those names. Picking up on Sam's point there in terms of trimming the squad, Connor. Obviously, inevitably the rumours in terms of incomings will grow once Norwich have maybe got a few players at the door, some of the deadwood or, or the players on the fringes. But one man obviously signed for big money last year, a man that was touted as one of the best European talents, and, and that man's Christos Yolis, obviously broke onto the scene when Norwich scored those two goals in the League Cup against Bournemouth. And I think the hype around him, the excitement was was growing quite well, quite significantly. Obviously got the opportunity at the Emirates. I believe he started there. So all just sort of 
well, tailed off for him ever since that penalty miss against Liverpool in the League Cup. And obviously, he's not really been given a chance under Dean Smith either. And he looks like a man who's heading out of uh, Norwich and potentially going to, to Club Bruges. Um, is that a loan deal, a permanent deal? And what do you sort of understand in terms of that deal? Yeah, so so again, I, I from from what I'm led to believe, similar to the Sara deal, really, there's, there's no agreement to be struck yet. And I, I think there's probably still a, a, a few bits that need to be lined up before we're actually in a position where Christos Solis is, is getting unveiled as a, as a Club Bruges player. So um, still, I, I would say a, 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 a few stages to complete before we, we, we get to that. Um, but from what I can gather, it, it, Club Bruges are leading the race to, to sign him. And I mean, we first reported their, their interest late May. I think it got a little bit buried under, under the investment story that we, that we broke at the time. But um, that, I think it might have been even on, on the same day. Um, but we, we've been reporting their interest for a while. Uh, there's there's a winger, Charles Dierkette. I'm going to butcher his name if I say it. But there's, there's a winger that, that they're hoping to sell, um, which would then probably... Um, get the funds in the building that they would need to then complete the Crystal Solis loan deal. Obviously, um, English wages compared to wages on the continent are incredibly inflated, even at Premier League and, and Championship level, lower Premier League level as Norwich City were when when they brought him to England. So I, I think there's probably still some discussion around about the structure of, of, of payments as well, of course, as whether or not they would insert a, a permanent option. I think there's there's been a conversation around that as well. Obviously, reports elsewhere of Link Feyenoord, who, who have sold the winger today to, to Leeds United. Um, and obviously, there's been some some murmurs in the German press that Daniel Farker would like to take him to Borussia Mönchengladbach as well. And I noticed that they are also on a training camp in Bavaria at the moment, which is uh, which is very interesting. Not too not too far away from Norwich City. Um, and Christos Solis obviously linked up with, with with the squad yesterday as well. So this is still a, a far away from anything being completed. But uh, I think again, our information is that both parties, both Norwich and Christos Solis, uh, would be open to to an exit this summer. Um, I'm also led to believe that he sees Belgian football and, and Club Bruges as, uh, as an opportunity he would like to explore if there was an opportunity for, for that to get arranged. So, um, yeah, I, I would say it's heading in, in the right direction, albeit some some hoops to jump through, some steps to go, and uh, not quite in a position where we can completely rubber stamp it and confirm it. But um, as Sam said, as Norwich City look to trim their squad, particularly in those attacking midfield areas, um, it does look like Crystal Solis will, will probably follow Shemeswav Poeta um, and, and Josh Martin and others and, and, and leaving Carroll Road for, for this season at least, but probably with an option to, to a permanent deal as well based on, on how he does in Belgium. Yeah, picking up on <clears throat> Josh Martin there, obviously we saw Campwell in action the other night against Deerham. Obviously Kieran Dowell's in the mix and also we've now got these links with the Brazilian lad and the Icelandic lad in terms of potential incoming. So it looks like the opportunities for Josh Martin aren't going to be there and that he is going to be heading out the exit door. Are you a little bit disappointed with that one, Sam? And, and so how do you assess that one? Because obviously it looks like Doncaster Rovers where he was on loan last season are kind of the forefront runners at the moment for a potential suitor for him. Obviously, he actually had quite good stats in League One last year. I mean, a lot of Norwich fans were hoping they'd try and get Scott uh, Scott Twine, who obviously has eventually gone to uh, Burnley. But in terms of statistics, I think if you looked at their metrics, they're actually, he had similar metrics in terms of League One to, to Scott Twine last year. So is that a little bit disappointing that maybe he's not getting that opportunity under Dean Smith? Yeah, I've been a little bit surprised, to be honest, by um, his sort of treatment and the way that they've gone about his career for the last couple of years, I remember hearing um, around this time last year that they were happy at that point to sanction a permanent deal. Um, and I was very surprised by that because it was only a few months before then that he'd been playing. Uh, I remember he was impressive in the game against Stoke. I think he set up Tamer Puki for one of those uh, goals. Obviously, uh, poked home an equaliser against Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, in that sort of period when Emi Buendia was, I think, suspended, he 
he shone um, where, you know, even the likes of Todd Cantwell struggled to, to replace him at times in the championship. So I was surprised at how quickly sort of attitudes turned to sort of getting him out of the door and maybe him not being a, a key part of plans because he did impress me um, on quite a few occasions during that 2021 um, period, uh, that, that season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised maybe that he hasn't been given the same sort of opportunities as the likes of uh, Bally Mumba. Obviously, we spoke about him potentially going out on loan, but he was part of that team uh, at Deerham. So he has obviously been given a chance to to impress Dean Smith and maybe change his mind about whether he should be involved. Um, you know, also Sam McCallum, we're going to see Ono Hernandez and Daniel Sonani get chances this preseason. So I was slightly surprised that he wasn't in that group and he wasn't even part of the group that were coming up from the under-23s to sort of play a a small part in in preseason. Obviously, as we understand things, he has been with Alan Nielsen's group so far this summer, um, but very little sign of him, very little talk about him, and I wouldn't be surprised at all um, to see him going through the Carrow Road exit door this summer. So, yeah, it has sort of tailed off rather disappointingly. Um, Connor's, Connor's piece, which you already referenced, did make a, a good point that he was brought in for, for free from Arsenal, um, obviously, he's been on, you would imagine, insignificant wages compared to what they're paying. They're more senior players for a couple of years and then they've managed to, or they're hoping to manage to, and it looks like they're likely to be able to sell him on for profit. So it's not it's not a failure, but I think there will be some disappointment within Norwich fans and, and probably within me a little bit that he hasn't gone on to achieve slightly more because those creative attacking players are very difficult to come by as Norwich have found in their recruitment, um, obviously in the last year or so since losing Emi Buendia. So it would have been a great help to them if a player like um, Josh Martin could have come out and become that player. As it is, things haven't turned out that way. And obviously the uh, the important people behind the scenes at Colney maybe don't see that potential in him. And that's why they'll be OK with moving him on this summer. Before we delve into the completed deals and the comments from everyone who's watching, Connor, um, just on Timu Puki, obviously we reported the link that came from Finland that um, his agent was suggesting that Timu Puki wants to play at the highest level and potentially looking for an exit out of the Road front door this summer. Obviously, um, a man who we all know scores goals at the championship level. Norwich have just triggered that 12-month extension as well in his contract. Um, obviously, we were all in that huddle at Deerham where Dean Smith very confidently batted away all that speculation and suggested that Timu Puki will be a Norwich City player next season. Um, how happy were you to hear that news and, and how significant is that for Norwich and, and a potential promotion push next season? Yeah, it's extremely significant. I think it, it would have it would have been like cutting off a limb really to lose Timu Puki um, if, if they wanted to to have a credible and, and serious approach of, of gaining championship promotion. We spoke about this, I think not on the last pod, but the the pod before, um, which people can can go and listen on uh, to on their their various podcast suppliers. But um, uh, I think if if you're a team and you're a Norwich City player in that dressing room, park the fans for a moment and and kind of the furore that would be around that if if Timu Puki was sold. If I'm a Norwich City player sitting in that dressing room and the expectation is that that we're going to bounce back straight straight back up to the Premier League and um, that promotion has to be a certainty this year you want to look around and have Timu Puki in the dressing room because if you if you walk in one day and they and, and to be told that Timu Puki is departing, um, I, I think you would question the expectations of, of the club and and also whether or not they were serious about pushing for, for championship promotion. And, and certainly I, I felt even with the the agent's comments, um, Timu Turinen, there was a 
a degree of acceptance within that, that Timo Buki would be a Norwich City player come the end of the summer. Um, and as Dean Smith sort of articulately put, really, it should be the aim of players to play at the highest level. Um, so I don't think it's a slight on, on Timo Buki or that he was necessarily particularly pushing for something. I think it was more if an opportunity arose, although the likelihood of that, given Norwich City's valuation of him, the age he is and what probably a buying club would, would be willing to pay for him, probably don't align. Um, and, and, and so the reality very quickly became apparent, I think, to, to all parties that he would he'd probably stay beyond the summer unless some um, mega money bid appears from somewhere. And I just simply don't see that at the moment. I've seen some uh, very small murmurs again of a link to Turkey and uh, I just don't really see Timo Puki contemplating that. I think it would have to be a Premier League move or possibly a La Liga move. Um, I'm not really sure there would be any other destinations that would particularly interest him at this stage. So um, I, I think he will be a Norwich City player um come come the end of the summer famous last words um but i I simply think that norwich have to keep him and and that was certainly kind of the 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 assurance i got from dean smith that he'd been given um kind of the green light to confirm that timu puki would be here and that he could plan and build for him in his squad and of course there's there's still that record in the background that I would love him to hit, um, which is obviously the the prospect of him potentially scoring 100 goals as an Ori City player. Only three players have ever done it in the club's history. Um, he, he'd need 22 goals, I think, this season in the Championship. And I think most people uh, on this uh, on this video watching, um, probably us three as well, will back him to do that, providing Ori City can get the the supply line and uh, and the 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 service to him right. So uh, look, it's it's a massive bonus for Ori City that that he looks like he's going to be staying in the building. Obviously, the next conversation will be around keeping here for the keeping him for the long term. But ultimately, this was a hurdle and a short-term hurdle that needed to be jumped over pretty rapidly. And it looks like they've done that. And now maybe the focus can shift on whether or not to offer him a new deal because ultimately we could be sat here in January again with reports of, of Timu Buki potentially signing a pre-contract with a, a club on the continent. And that is not what or that is not where Norwich City want to be when they have got an asset, albeit maybe not as significant a one as a Max Aaron's Milo Rashid or whatever, simply because of his age. There's still an asset. There's still a player with value there. There's still a lot of clubs who would pay money, albeit probably not the money that Norwich City would want for Timu Puki. And I think they want to keep that in the building, uh, coupled with obviously what we've spoken about there with the messaging to players within the dressing room and fans, I think would be absolutely horrendous if uh, they then sold Timu Puki. Having, of course, sold Emi Buendia and losing Oli Skip last summer, it would be a little bit of deja vu and probably an unwelcome one when I think it's fair to say at the moment, people are, are maybe slightly differing in terms of their expectations and their view for what next season might bring. I think there's still some uncertainty within the fan base from what I'm seeing about Norwich City's prospects next year. Um, and it still feels like there's a lot for Norwich City to prove on the pitch and keeping Timu Buki, I feel like, is a really significant piece to that. So, yeah, as someone who covers Norwich City and, uh, and everyone of the yellow and green persuasion will, would have been absolutely delighted to hear those words come out of Dean Smith's mouth because um, obviously the last public utterance we had from Dean Smith on future was envisaged. It was that word, which isn't a guarantee, isn't strong. Uh, this one was a cast iron guarantee and um, I believed him as well. I think Timu Buki will be a Norwich City player come the end of the transfer window and beyond. A couple of deals went through last night that actually are completed from, in terms of an outgoing perspective, um, I'll just get the graphic up on the screen in terms of all the incomings and outgoings so far in this summer transfer window. So um, the two recent ones on there, Sam, um, 
Premislav Plaheta on loan to Birmingham and Akin Famueo to Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, we believe that that is a £50,000 nominal fee for him. So not really significant money, but ultimately another player that Norwich are just making small bits of profit on in terms of you know players they've brought in in the past for, for little fees and are selling on for a little bit more. So what do you make of those two deals, Sam? And, and particularly, I think I'm going to pick up on Plaheta. Obviously, how important is that he goes and kicks on at Birmingham? Obviously, we will want to see him succeed, but ultimately he's never really shown what he's got in terms of on, on a pitch for a Norwich City persuasion. So how important do you want to see, uh, how important it is that he kicks on and, and how important do you want to see it that, you know, he actually does that? Yeah, I think it's important for his career. I I would doubt, given what we've seen from him and his age already, you know, he's a young player, but he's not especially young. Um, I would be surprised if he ever ends up being sort of Premier League level. Um, maybe he'll make me eat my words, but... I think it's probably more a case of him having to go on and, and kick on for himself because he hasn't even proven himself at, at championship level, really. Um, you know, when Norwich were last there, he struggled for game time towards the end of the season once Todd Cantwell sort of um, had his head screwed on and, and he only scored one goal uh, all season. So I think he has to first prove himself at championship level, then probably think about Norwich City. But for his own career, I think it's probably more important for Norwich. The benefit is maybe. Um, wages because there's no permanent option included uh, so there's no immediate way of seeing how they're going to get back there uh, sort of 2.5 million or in that area of what they spent on him um, so yeah I imagine his wages are probably not hugely significant but enough that it's a, a benefit to to get him off the wage bill it's also beneficial to them to just be getting rid of that those players that aren't going to be involved you know when they're in training it sort of dilutes the the atmosphere a little bit it dilutes what Dean Smith wants to get across to his players in terms of if you have people there that aren't going to be playing on Saturday it just it just I imagine offers a slightly strange feeling so um those are the benefits to that I think Akin Fumewo is a player who probably a couple of years ago they accepted wasn't gonna play for Norwich again I think his last it might have been his first and last appearance for Norwich was uh, in a 5-0 defeat by Manchester City on the last day of that project restart um, period and probably after that they realised maybe not because of his performance on that day but around that period they realised he was he wasn't gonna get to the level that they hoped he would um, I believe he was brought in for a fee from Luton one of many players that were brought in from Luton um, and just never really kicked on struggled with injuries a little bit a key player for the under 23s so I know he was highly rated at, at one point but I think probably his progress didn't um, it didn't move along as quickly as his age and that's why he's ended up in League One and not playing a significant role for Norwich City. In terms of the fee, I mean, it just shows the market and we've spoken plenty about how how non-fertile the market is this summer because clubs just don't have the money, um, especially when you get down to the sort of lower levels of the EFL. You're not going to be getting really very significant fees for players and the fact that they've sold a player with a year left on his contract for £50,000, which is not much at all um, to them. You know, it's it's around one week of Tamer Buki's wages, but that shows you what they're going to get for players this summer, um, especially the ones that aren't their sort of star players. And I think you have to put them in two categories, really. Stuart Webber spoke at the end of the season about raising funds from sales um, and the likes of Akin Fumewo and, and Chemislav Quetta aren't going to be doing that. They're just, that's that's footballing reasons in my view. And maybe eventually with the um, 
you know, when you when you add them all up, it might give them a, a sum that helps them in the future. But that's not what what Weber's talking about when he's saying we need to to move on players to to maybe invest slightly more in the market. That's the sort of the likes of Rashica, and if if they were able to get permanent fee with with Jollis, which obviously looks unlikely, but Max Aaron's as well. Those sorts of players are what we're going to be looking at in terms of if, if they want to bring in funds to spend on players these are just yeah I think they're just getting these out of the way now we've seen they've obviously cracked on with it a little bit this week I wouldn't be surprised to see more of the players that are sort of around the edges and on the periphery moved on um soon because that's it looks like that's the the problem they're dealing with at the moment but um yeah not particularly surprised by either of those but as always with the young players it's a similar situation to Josh Martin when when at one point they were highly rated and people thought they might be able to kick on and feature for the the Norwich City first team, uh, it's a bit disappointing to see them moved on, but that's football and that's that's the way that this model works. If you want to take risks on um, young players on a regular basis, unfortunately, probably more than half of them aren't going to end up getting to the level that you hope they will. The last sort of 10 or 15 minutes of the show, we'll, we'll delve into you guys' comments um, here. So I'll, I'll pick one here for you, Connor. Um, are there any other creative midfielders you'd like to see City sign if the Sarah deal falls through? If I had the answer to that, to that question, I'd be working in a recruitment department somewhere, I think, rather than than speaking to you guys. I, I think it's it's very difficult without kind of knowing the intricacies of really what Dean Smith wants to do and, uh, and what his, his playing style looks like. And um, they clearly view that, that Gabriel Sara, and actually I was just reading a report there where, where Sam was speaking from, I think it's Yahoo Sports in Brazil that says an agreement is, uh, is, is edging closer. Um, I haven't obviously had time to dig into those reports to completely clarify that at this stage but that that is a report in in brazil that i've uh, i've just read um uh, and i believe about 10.6 million in in installments with um with uh obviously euros that would that would be but we understand it, it would be a low move with, with an option if, if it was to happen so um that's that's worth keeping an, uh, an eye on and we'll do our own digging into that but yeah in terms of uh, of midfield i think it's it's a really interesting one obviously i'm probably going to sit on the fence and, and not give too many names at this stage because as I said I, I don't have them at my fingertips without putting a lot of research into it um, I, I think what is interesting is how bloated as, as we spoke about that position is in particular at the moment because um, even with Shemi Poheta and, uh, and potentially Crystal Solis going out on loan as well you've still got Rasicha, Josh Sargent who hasn't uh, well Paddy did an excellent column on him the other day but I think there's there's still some debate to be had about where he slots into Norwich City plans. Is does Dean Smith view him as as someone who can actually play as a striker? Is he viewed as as someone who predominantly will, will do his work on the right hand side, as we saw last season? He's obviously had a little bit of an injury, and some of the video the, the club has put out looks like he's kind of completing some individual work rather than being involved with the group as well. So that there's still that element that needs to be answered. You've then got in the background of the two loanees coming back on El Hernandez and, uh, and Danel Sanani in, in those roles, I would probably suggest it's quite unlikely um, that, that both of those will, will stay at Norwich City next season. I think we're probably more likely to see one or the other, of course, unless both really impressed Dean Smith in, in pre-season, which is absolutely uh, a possibility. It's, it's been said to me that that maybe Danel Sanani is a bit more in the mould of a player that Dean Smith would like to, to work with. Although I think Onel Hernandez did show signs at, at Birmingham last season that there was some end product as well behind maybe what Norwich City fans have been before, seen before, sorry, which is the, the dribbles and uh, and the exciting attacking play that maybe hasn't had that end product. Um, obviously, where does Todd Campwell fit into all of this as well is an interesting conversation. Uh, I was looking at some numbers, funny enough, around his low move at Bournemouth this morning and, 
there was actually signs there of of, of some creativity improvement, it, albeit kind of the sample size is, is relatively low, um, coupled with obviously the the kind of improved enthusiasm, um, maybe the, the imagery around the performance on Friday night, albeit, again, we have to take that with a very, very large pinch of salt because of the opposition. So it's a very bloated area of the pitch for Norwich City. And that's before we've kind of mentioned Milo Rashica and the fact that there will be interest in, and probably is interest in him from, from Germany, albeit I was kind of led to believe a couple of weeks ago that his name features a little bit lower down on a few teams shortlist rather than maybe at the top where he's in a position to to really be maybe subject of, uh, of of a significant bid at this stage. So Norwich may have to wait a little bit longer in terms of him. So all of that paints the picture of a very interesting element to how Norwich City adds to that because they need to shed a few of those options. And, and this is kind of where we were at on the podcast the other day, really, in terms of Norwich City have to balance their squads. They have to get a squad that is pretty streamlined. But as well as what Sam said, kind of from the footballing perspective, they're, they're trying to trim their squad particularly in England, but but also for clubs who aren't really playing European football in a market where there's not a huge amount of resource and there's not a huge amount of finance around because obviously the implications of the last few years in terms of COVID and, and relative sort of COVID holes being created and teams trying to fill those. And th- it then makes it very difficult for, for clubs to sell players for significant fees. Whereas I think in previous summers, two or three years ago, Norwich could have sold Jordan Hugill for, for relative money. Um, they could have sold on El Hernandez to a championship club for relative money. There's actually probably a few championship clubs who admire both of those players who, who may be unwilling to to meet both the asking price or the wage demands of those players because of the situation they're in, which was, I felt, um, maybe explained perfectly by, by former Norwich striker, now Cardiff boss Steve Morrison, although he's gone on to, to sign about 15 players since then, uh, although the majority of those have come on free transfers. So it feels to me increasingly that Norwich are trying to trim a squad, streamline a squad, in a very difficult market where there's not much movement in terms of resource and uh, money. So ultimately that this is probably why we are seeing compromise on players like Poeta who are leaving the club on loan and, uh, and Christos Solis as well, because actually that, that willingness to spend money that there was throughout the game two, three years ago simply isn't present at this stage. Um, and obviously there'll be a few clubs who, who receive money once a player goes to a Premier League club um, or elsewhere that could then go and do business. And that has kind of, um, repercussions on Norwich City's business and, uh, and maybe how late in the window their, their business comes. So all of that kind of tallies up to an interesting picture and, uh, and probably explains why we're sat here on the 7th of July with some people feeling frustrated at Norwich City's business with um, obviously one in the building and, uh, and possibly a second incoming with Sarah, both of those looking like loan deals. Um, and, you know, I think we said on the last one of these that we'd expect Norwich to to explore loan deals in, in more depth. And, and, and that is something that, that looks to be the case. So it's an interesting picture. Um, and to take it back to the original question, uh, it feels to me like Sarah is the one that, that is viewed to be kind of in that mould, a player from from central midfield who could push on and provide a goal-scoring threat from from that area of the pitch, which they didn't have last season. I think it was only Mateus Norman, Pierre Malou scored one as well, didn't he? Um, so it was two goals in that position um, last season in the Premier League, which is not a good enough return, particularly um, if you want to stay in a division or get out of a division. So um, hopefully Sarah can be part of the solution to, to remedy that particular issue. Should Norwich City be able to strike a deal and should, of course, all the uh, formalities around that deal get completed? Sticking on the topic of uh, the bloated squad that Norwich City have, Sam, um, to bring up this question, which I'll add to, um, which of the next sort of City development players do you see breaking into the squad maybe next season in terms of the championship picture? But I think probably I'll add to that, 
which are those sort of players that we maybe saw at Deerham, the likes of a, a Gibbs, a Clark, a Tomkinson? Do you see potential sort of loan routes and loan avenues being explored for those kind of players, maybe in lower divisions or abroad, to, to get them the experience sort of before they maybe are, are ready and have a pathway into the to Norwich first team? Yeah, I think to, to, to answer the first bit, um, Liam Gibbs is one that's very highly rated in the club, probably won't be um, at the top of the radar of fans that have watched him play because he's quite understated, um, sort of does the basics and um, isn't really an easily definable player. I wouldn't say he's a typical sort of um, midfield enforcer, an Alex Tetty type or anything like that, but he's also not really a, an attacking midfielder, does a little bit of everything, but... Um, probably athletic and, and energetic enough to play at the base of that midfield in the championship at least. So I wouldn't be surprised. He seems to me like a Dean Smith type player, a hard worker, um, sort of gets on with his business and, and quite disciplined. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him um, breaking into the team. In terms of loan routes, I'd maybe look at John Tomkinson um, just because I think centre-back, and this is why Andrew Amabamadeli is such a a standout case because he's got the sort of uh, know-how and the, the reading of the game that I think quite a lot of players need to go out and play senior football and before they can do that. I think that was an area Ben Godfrey struggled with before he went out to Shrewsbury um, and, you know, making that transition to, to centre-back as well was something that he struggled with. So, um, you know, for centre-backs, I think those subtle adjustments at the top level are so key um, that he maybe needs to go there where... That he needs to go to to a lower division um, where the the pace is a little bit quicker than under twenty threes football and the movement from strikers is maybe a little bit more intelligent and the players around him are more experienced and he needs to maybe learn those those sorts of things. So I'd I'd maybe say him. I mean, real, realistically, from speaking to a few relevant people, that the situation is that they try and get most most under twenty threes that they don't see breaking into the first team. They're trying to get loans for. There's not too much value in playing regularly in the under 23 setup really um apart from showing your club off as a a potential destination for future youth players so yeah i mean they'll be trying to push for for loans for quite a lot of those players i'd imagine but um you know for the reasons we've we've already talked about and people are probably getting bored of us saying there's no money in football but um those lower division those clubs at lower divisions struggle with wages they struggle to make those commitments and it's difficult to make a, a big financial commitment to a player who's who you can only watch in sort of under 23s leagues where it's difficult to compare to the the actual level of a, a league two or a league one so that's why it's difficult for them to get loans for those players but the situation will very much be that those that they don't see contributing to the first team most of them they'll be trying to get loans for so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a few of those um I understand people are, are excited about the prospect of seeing um sort of talent the academy of bread playing for the first team but realistically most of those players we would only see them making two or three appearances from the bench and i'm personally more more excited about the possibility of seeing how they got on with 30 40 appearances under their belt at a a lower level so um yeah i'm I'm looking forward to seeing which of those can get a good move and, and which of those can kick on but in terms of immediately for the first team i'd say liam gibbs is probably top of the pile if you're not including John Rowe and Tony Springett, which I'm sure you're not because they're they're already sort of um, towing that line between under-23s and first team. And like that, I think we'll wrap it up. I'll just leave it on this comment. Um, I want everyone to flock to Yarmouth to 
if Sarah is going to arrive into Norfolk, then um, let's take him to the Pleasure Beach because I'm sure that's going to persuade him to to make the move from Brazil to, to Norfolk and, and Carroll Road. So um, as after all, as uh, Max says, uh, the Pleasure Beach is the eighth wonder of the world. So thank you for joining me, gents, uh, for all the latest transfer news. Obviously, keep it across the, the Pink and, and the Pink and Plus app for everything breaking. Obviously, we don't really know when these deals are going to get over the line. Obviously, there's there's movement and in the background, so keep it locked. Obviously, we've got the pre-season game as well on Saturday, so that's to look forward to. Obviously, all the international players returned to the Norwich City training camp yesterday, so potentially some of those might be involved on Saturday. So lots of exciting stuff coming up um, in the Norwich City world at the moment. So enjoy your Thursday, enjoy your weekend. Obviously, that's fast approaching as well, and, and hopefully the sun will stay shining. So thanks for, thanks for joining us. <laughs>